Welcome to The Baseball Show. Chicago's only interactive nightly show focused on the Cubs, the White Sox, and Major League Baseball. On radio, on app, on podcast. Listen to the show your way on ESPN 1000. With a new ESPN Chicago app. The The Baseball Baseball Show Show with Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. What's up and welcome in. This is the Baseball Show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. With me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is the telephone number. Follow me on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show, ESPN MLB Show. After Waddle and Sylvie every night, we give you the best in baseball conversation. If you're a Cubs fan, Sox fan, a fan of Major League Baseball, this is the show for you every night at 6 o'clock right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Well, let us uh, keep you abreast of what's going on for the Cubs and the White Sox. Right now in the fourth inning, bottom of the fourth, the White Sox at 1-4 and four on the season. We'll review why they've gotten off to a slow start. Sox and Indians, no score. That game is in the bottom of the fourth inning as Giolito has pitched better through four, uh, doing really well so far for the, uh, for the White Sox as that game is, again, in the fourth inning. The Cubs and Reds, no score at the Great American Ballpark. That game is in the bottom of the second inning as Kyle Hendricks is on the mound for the Cubs. So we'll keep you abreast of those two games and other scores throughout our show here on the Baseball Show on ESPN 1000. So... Why are the White Sox off to a slow start? Well, once again, it comes down to either offense or defense or a little bit of both. So the Sox lost a doubleheader to the Indians yesterday at Progressive Field. And if you're a Sox fan, cover your ears. The starting rotation closed its first turn with a 12.64 ERA, eight walks and nine strikeouts coming into tonight's game against the Indians. They were outscored 13-1 to in first-inning games. Think about that. You got off to a bad start and 13-1 uh, to in the first inning of games. So that's not great. And the Sox starters went three and two-thirds, five and a third, two-thirds of an inning, two and a third innings, and three and a third the last five starts. That's among those guys are aces, are supposed to be future aces like Giolito and Lopez and Cease and Rodon. And now you come to find out in today's news that not only is Lopez yesterday put on the IL, but also Lambert uh, from the bullpen also on the injured list because of a forearm strain. So it's not gotten off to a really good start for the White Sox. And I know yesterday when we were introducing to you the starting lineup for the White Sox for Game 2, we come to find out that Nicky Delmonico in Game number 2 was the cleanup hitter for the White Sox. A lot of potent offense, at least on paper for the White Sox, but yet that somehow Nicky Delmonico was the cleanup hitter. Now, in today's lineup, it's Anderson, Moncada, Abreu. Grandal is hitting cleanup. He played in game one of the doubleheader yesterday, did not play in game two. Encarnacion, uh, the DH. Um, Jimenez, the left fielder, uh, Robert, the center fielder, Garcia, then Engel, with Giolito on the mound. So former Sox manager Ozzie Ginn was on NBC Sports Chicago and was not happy about the batting order for Game 2 for the White Sox. 
Nicky Delmonico batting fourth here in game two. And I looked it up. He's actually made 41 starts batting cleanup in his career with eight home runs. When? Uh, I don't have that in front of me, but, but he I, actually I, has it, done it. He was with the White Sox before that was in big league team. No. In the last three years, no. No, I'm sorry, but no. Yeah. But what, what you look at Roberts more at bats? I think, now, here's what I think he's doing, Renteria. He wants to protect his rookie. But at this point, bring him up in the order. Oh, he, minute, he's minute. showing he's ready. I, I would bat him fourth right now. But you know, protect from what? You know what I mean? You just, this kid's going to be the future batting fourth or fifth of the White Sox. Yeah. Watch out with batting third. And, you know what I mean? I just like, here it is. Because he looked good on, you know, you see the base he had to right field? Yes. Today, nice, easy swing to the right field. He's not the type of rookie you just want to jank and hit home run every time. This kid is a good hitter. The Monaco, you know I me, mean? I don't mind but you body four, but I I think you get the best opportunity and more at bats to your best hitter. Ozzy continued on NBC Sports Chicago and he says it's no question. It's time to move Robert up. Is he ready to bat fourth? You can argue maybe yes, maybe no. But what I like about him batting fourth or McCann, more Robert, because all of a sudden the pitcher's like, okay, I got Robreu batting third. I got Robert next. That's in my head. Would that be in your head? Oh, my cat? Yeah, of course. You would think about it twice, like walking. Yeah. You know, I compete against Francona a lot. Francona is going to let you be with the best guy. He always look at who's behind you, who's be, and always try to find the matchups. I want to see Robert or McCain. No, going to put Robert at McCain because McCain hit it four before. Yeah. It protects. Uh, I predicted a break last year, too. Before, and he had a good year. He come on the home run. He, come, he hit another home run today. You take the pre- you don't want to put pressure on Roberts. That's a different thing. But if we think Roberts is that good, you think he's good? I do. Okay. Show me you're that good. You'll be behind. You'll be with the big boys to start going early in your career. Now, I don't agree that Robert should be the cleanup hitter for the White Sox. I understand that he has a lot of upside, and I know that a lot of Sox fans are very interested in what he can be for the Sox. I don't agree with uh, cleanup. But in this lineup, he is seventh in the lineup. And I just think six sounds better. Maybe in some lineups, depending on if you're resting some starters, maybe fifth. But I don't know about fourth or anything higher than that. All I know is that Robert languishing toward the bottom of the lineup does not help. Um, but I know that Rick Renneria wants to be able to give Robert every opportunity to earn that opportunity to be fourth or fifth in the lineup. Just because the Sox are struggling here doesn't necessarily mean that Robert is a savior. He's just part of the puzzle. As we talk about this on the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I, I, I look at this lineup on a regular basis and outside the doubleheader yesterday where in Game 2 there was some changes, no Encarnacion, no Grandal, my point is is that there's enough offense to be able to put some runs on the board, and the Sox just have not. That's why they're 1-4, and, and this is why they are playing the Indians right now. That game's in the bottom of fourth inning, no score with the Indians with a couple runners on against Giolito. How about the Cubs side of the ledger? Because the Cubs have, to me, they're looking like what we've, should have been seen the last couple of years. When the Cubs were good, not only just win the World Series in 2016, but also in the 17 team as well. It was a team that when there was runs in scoring position, you just knew someone was going to come through. That's when you're living a charmed season, when you can be up there and you're watching the Cubs and you say, you know what, someone 
with even two outs will be able to come through for this team. And so watching the Cubs as of late, because they keep the line moving, because they're flexing some power, this is what I've been looking for for a minute. Now, there was no Bryant in the lineup yesterday. He's in the lineup today for the Cubs uh, as they try to extend their record to 5-1 and one here against Cincinnati. But I looked at the lineup and said, oh, Caratini's hitting second. Now, that's, that's strange because there's no Bryant. Well, Caratini was able to get a hit. He is one for five, but Baez came through with his second home run of the season last year. Bodie hitting a home run. Bodie had five total bases, and Baez had ten. You love that you have your guys like a Baez in the number three hole going three for five with three runs. To see Bodie going two for three with a run. Kipnis, uh, a veteran who was the DH in this uh, scenario yesterday, two for four with a run. What you're seeing from the Cubs is what I expected to see last couple of years. And that is a team that's consistent offensively. And we've seen, again, there's only a small sample size of games uh, that we've seen so far, but here's when you know that you're going in the right direction. Alec Mills is a starter for the Cubs. If the Reds are going to win a game, you say, well, you know, it'll be against this kid Mills. With Quintana being out, Mills is in, the, in place there in the starting rotation. And Mills gives a quality start, and he was throwing a lot of pitches off speed, hitting the black exactly where he needed to be on the corners, and doing a great job yesterday watching that game. Six innings pitched, two hits, two runs all earned, two walks, three strikeouts, with even three ERA. The bullpen, a little shaky at the end uh, with Tapera, but that's fine. The, the Cubs had enough offense to be able to survive. They put up uh, one run in the... Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, and the eighth, and just continue to keep the line moving to get an eight-five victory against a Reds team, similar to the White Sox, that's supposed to be in a position to succeed. Maybe jumping a little earlier than normal because of the sixty-game season, but the Reds are—they uh, are fit to be tied because the Cubs' offense resonates with me more so than anything else. So we'll see what happens with the Cubs and the Reds. And again, we'll keep you abreast of uh, those games taking place with the Cubs uh, and the White Sox right here on the baseball show. All right, coming up next, the intersection of baseball and COVID-19. Some interesting thoughts um, from Max Scherzer regarding um, potentially playing the Miami Marlins. What's that going to be like? That's going to be interesting to see how other teams are going to feel about taking on the Marlins after all this with COVID-19. If you're a Cubs fan or Sox fan, love Major League Baseball, this is why this show is here for you. So any thoughts about the team so far through the first five-plus games, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Tyler, we go over the phone lines. Anything that stands out to you most about the Cubs and Sox so far through the first five games, we'll get your phone calls in. Also, we'll talk about some of the news of the day, including a big suspension of Major League Baseball. All part of the mix right here on TBS. Tonight's baseball show is brought to you by The Whistle on 95th. Stop in and grab a couple of Goose Island White Sox Golden Ales tonight. The Whistle on 95th is a proud official White Sox bar and is a great place to watch a White Sox game. Four balls, three strikes, a double play, and one. Place to hear the baseball show with Jonathan Hood. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The baseball show with Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. (laughs) 
The Baseball Show, presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Hope that you're having a great Wednesday night as we keep you abreast of what's going on with the Cubs and the White Sox. The uh, Sox and Cleveland Indians no score. Their game is in the top of the fifth inning. So we'll keep our eyes on that game. Also watching the Cubs as well. The Cubs taking on Cincinnati at the Great American Ballpark. So uh, that is no score. That game is in the top of the third inning. So, again, open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number for Cubs and Sox conversation, also around Major League Baseball. If you want to jump in, that's why we have our phone lines open for you, uh, for you to voice your thoughts on your favorite team, especially the start that both of these teams have had. One of the stories that we've kept our eyes on is the intersection of baseball and COVID-19. So Nationals outfielder Juan Soto was still waiting on Wednesday today to be cleared to play by the city government um, after getting the okay for Major League Baseball to return from the COVID-19 injured list. Davey Martinez, the manager for the Nationals, said that the Nationals hope that their 21-year-old slugger will be allowed to work out with the team starting Saturday and play in their first game after that, which is next Tuesday at home against the New York Mets. The other story is focused on the Miami Marlins, and you can understand why. If you're a baseball fan, you know what is going on with the Marlins as far as positive tests are concerned. This takes place last weekend where some of the Marlins players took it upon themselves knowing that there was a positive test and still played out there. That was a group text in which they had a conversation on whether or not they should play or not, and they played. And, of course, several games had to be postponed, including a game, several games for them at home because of this. So uh, early this morning it came across that another Miami Marlins player had tested positive for coronavirus, bringing the number of cases in their traveling party to 18. Major League Baseball had already, already postponed the Marlins through Sunday because of the recent outbreak. That is something that's very scary because it's happening now here in the first week of baseball. Thursday would make a week of baseball as it has returned, and you already have an outbreak. It's careless, it's scary, but this is where we are in our world here with COVID-19. So I remember Rob Manfred talking to Tom Verducci from the MLB Network, and the, one of the questions was posed by Verducci was, hey, so... What's going to what's it going to take to stop baseball from having games through COVID-19? And Manfred said, well, it's going to have to be something where there's this massive outbreak and it's going to be continuous. And then we'd consider shutting it down. Well, you've got 18 in a traveling party with the Miami Marlins, but yet baseball still going on. I know it's just one team. And the hope is that it's only this one team and it doesn't continue. But, you know, that the odds on that is not very good. This is where we are. Well, when it comes to COVID-19, Max Scherzer, uh, a pitcher for the Nationals, talked about if he would feel comfortable playing the Marlins, even if they came to play in D.C. Right now, the this, this situation's fluid. We're trying to, you know, you're trying to understand how bad of an outbreak they have. Um, you know, how, at what point, you know, do you, do you feel comfortable that, how many, how many times do they have to test negative before you really feel comfortable that they've contained their their outbreak and that they've yeah. contained their spread, yeah. and also understanding, uh, you know, paying attention to the Phillies as well. How many days do the Phillies need to uh, test negative before you feel uh, comfortable that they didn't have a spread by playing the Marlins? And so, when you start 
you know, trying to answer those questions and just kind of let it day by day uh, kind of unfold. Uh, you know, it seems like every day your, your, your mindset kind of changes on these, on these topics. You know, one day you're ready to rip through the world and then the other day you, you completely calm down and you make clear decisions. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to say right now, uh, because you know, that happened on Sunday, uh, where, where you really think there's an outbreak where they really did have an outbreak. Um, so now here we are on Tuesday, two days later, you know, how many more times do they need to test negative before you really feel comfortable? that they can, uh, you know, be in a clubhouse and really not spread it to anybody else. And you know what's crazy? I saw that, like, uh, one of the clubhouses visiting guys in uh, Philly tested positive. So, like, do we know it came, like, from the Marlins or did, like, it come from the Philly clubhouse? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, th- those are the things, like, I would want to know, like, is it safe mm-hmm. to go to Philly? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, I mean, or did it come from the, the Marlins team or the plane or whatever? Like, something they did. Like, that. that's the toughest thing is trying to figure out, like, where it actually started and, and, you know, how to be safe, like playing the teams going forward like that, you know? Yeah. I, I also think that this is where you kind of got, you got to start reevaluating the protocols. Like, okay. So if you have this big of spread and everybody's wearing masks and, you know, er, you, you, you thought we had a protocols to prevent this. Okay. So how, how does this happen? You start thinking, all right, this is an aerosol spread. Uh, do we need more air filters? Um, you know, you also hear, you know, I've read stuff where, you know, you start talking about, you know, you far UVC light, you know, do you, you know, do you need to find a way to be able to disinfect, you know, areas like that? Um, are there, if, if this is aerosol based that, yeah, this is a major challenge, but it's also pretty fixable in the same time. So are there ways that we can, uh, you know, up the ante here uh, in terms of, uh, you know, making sure that there's not a spread by any little thing that we can do. So, you know, for me, I'm fascinated. Uh, not, not that I'm fascinated. That, you know, I don't want to ever see this happen. But I'm more fascinated to see, you know, how can we engineer around this? What are we going to be able to do to be able to prevent this in the future? So Max Scherzer talking about the Miami Marlins, some strong comments there. And it's something that's not going away anytime soon until you start seeing some negative tests across the board and not having an outbreak. This is going to be something that is positive. I know it's weighing a lot of baseball fans' minds because I continue to ask you guys about the Cubs and Sox and your thoughts on baseball. And a lot of the reaction that we get is is COVID-19 based or sending me tweets at ESPN MLB show about COVID and what's going to happen with baseball. Will they shut it down? Well, all I know is that I'm watching baseball every day until I'm not. And so that's how I look at it. We understand that there are issues with COVID-19 and baseball because the Miami Marlins are a big part of that. But that's just the tipping point. What if there is more to come? Uh, but that's in the back of my mind. In the front of my mind is uh, how our teams are going to fare with the Cubs and the White Sox. And again, no score between the Reds and the Cubs. That game's in the bottom of the third. And bottom five, Sox and Indians, no score at Progressive. Jonathan Hood with you on the baseball show, presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. This story coming across this afternoon, it was a surprise about Dodgers reliever Joe Kelly. He was suspended by Major League Baseball for eight games for his actions in the bottom of the sixth inning of Tuesday night's 5-2 Dodgers win over the Astros. Kelly has appealed and will be available tonight in the game uh, in Houston as the discipline will be held in abeyance. So I saw this in real time last night where the benches cleared between the Dodgers and the Astros. No, No punches thrown or anything like that, but it was... It was compelling to see what this looks like in light of COVID nineteen and a lot of some players with masks, some players not with masks, and they want to mix it up. Joe Kelly 
uh, in this situation, in announcing the discipline, Major League Baseball's Senior Vice President of Baseball Operations, Chris Young, said that Kelly's previous suspension for intentional throwing and concluded that Kelly threw a pitch in the area of the head of Alex Bregman and later taunted Carlos Correa, uh, which led to the bench's clearing. So it's based on... It's, it's based on him taunting. It's also based on the baseball not hitting Bregman or Correa, but being in the vicinity. Well, here's what we do know. You knew that this was going to happen to the Astros because of the cheating scandal. As if ball players um, in abundance don't try to take an extra advantage to be able to get a base hit or to be able to cheat the system in some way, shape, or form. Of course, a lot of us don't know that they're doing that, but uh, players will take an inch to be able to receive a mile. And I'm not saying that's for all players, but some players do. But the Astros thing was over the top because you had the pounding, and it was all of this trying to determine to players, hey, your fastball's coming, curveball's coming. And that was always an advantage for the Astros. And the Dodgers feel like they've been screwed. And you understand why the Dodgers feel like this, because they've been the bridesmaids for five years. Winning the division is one thing, having a big payroll is one thing, but what's going on with the Dodgers is, They've always felt that they should have been able to win that World Series, and they were cheated out of it by the Astros. So you knew that this was going to happen between these two teams, or the Astros or some team, that Major League Baseball players don't like the, the over-the-top cheating, and so you knew someone was going to get hit, or someone was going to get a baseball to the face. Now here's the thing. I do not agree that you should retaliate and try to hit somebody because you're frustrated that that team was smart enough to cheat and win a World Series and you were not. It's still wrong. Keep in mind, it's still wrong. But the Astros outsmarted everybody and thought they can get away with it. And guess what? They did. They did get away with it. But when it comes to this suspension, I just think that it is really excessive. It's excessive in a lot of ways because the punishment does not fit the crime. I guess from Chris uh, Young's standpoint, the vice president of baseball operations, he would say that, well, Joe Kelly is a repeat uh, offender, so we're going to make sure that we double down on this massive suspension for, uh, for Joe Kelly. Eight games for his actions. That's a lot. That's the equivalent of almost 22 games if it was a 162-game season. But it is eight games. And remember, we're talking about a 60-game season, so Kelly, as a key reliever, is going to be out for, for a week, a week plus. And that's devastating to the Dodgers, but you knew this was going to happen. And this is something I was talking about in spring training before we were getting into COVID-19, that we knew that this was going to be an issue because there are players that are pissed at the Astros for trying to cheat the game. And as, as you and I grew up watching sports for a long time, something that you and I both know, we know that players will take that little bit of an extra inch if they can. And the, uh, the Astros went over the top with it, completely over the top with it. But the, the punishment does not fit the crime, I believe, in this case, because you are not prorating this punishment for a 60-game season. Eight games, not four or not three for a weekend. They gave him an eight-game suspension, which I believe is completely excessive. And that we asked that question on the poll as well at ESPN MLB show Joe Kelly was suspended by Major League Baseball for eight games. Was the suspension just right? Was it excessive, or should he have been given more? Eight games is a lot. Imagine if it's a 162 game season, it'd be a 22 game suspension. Eight games is a ton in the 60 game season, but it just shows the inconsistency of Major League Baseball. 
it, it just the the random wheel of justice. I thought that that was something that was exclusive to the NFL. The random wheel of justice. You you roll the wheel. Oh, you know you you have a domestic violence issue. Oh, that's six games. Oh, this same issue. Oh, that's going to be four games. I see something on film that I, I don't like. You hit the quarterback wrong. That's two games. Or this is five games. Or deflate footballs. It's this. To me, you have to be able to have a protocol. And for this, it's really telling it, sending the message. If you even accidentally slip and throw at the Astros by mistake, you can get another suspension like this. And, and so Joe Kelly is the bar now. Joe Kelly of the Dodgers, an eight-game suspension for not even connecting with Bregman and Correa, but throwing around them. And, of course, Kelly walking off the mound with, like, you know, you know, has that face like, oh, are you going to cry now? He had that baby face where he was pouting and kind of taunting at the, uh, at the, at the Dodgers or, or uh, taunting at the Astros. All of that was eight games. But that's just not how baseball should handle things. If they're going to handle it like that, if you're going to rule like Goodell, then you got to be like that full stop, not just randomly like this situation here with Joe Kelly. We'll hear more from uh, Pedro Gomez on some of the storylines around Major League Baseball, including COVID-19 and the Miami Marlins, and this story here with Joe Kelly and the Dodgers. We'll get his reaction to that coming up next on the Baseball Show. Tonight's Baseball Show is brought to you by Whistle on 95th. Stop in and grab a couple of Goose Island White Sox Golden Nails tonight. The Whistle on 95th is a proud official White Sox bar. It's a great place to watch a White Sox game. Welcome to the Baseball Show. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. Catch up on your time. Click the Baseball Show tile for the podcast on the new ESPN Chicago app. This is the Baseball Show on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. TBS brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We're going to hear from Pedro Gomez in just a moment. Let me give you a quick scoreboard here. Tell you what, Kyle Hendricks is just sailing. There's no score between the Cubs and the Reds. That game is in the uh, bottom of the fourth, but he's looking good for the Cubs. Uh, and the same thing with Giolito for the White Sox. No score between the Sox and the Indians. That game is in the bottom of the sixth inning. Other scores for you earlier today, the Rangers defeating the Diamondbacks 7-4. No score between the Nationals and the Blue Jays. That game's in the bottom of the sixth inning. Dodgers and Astros going at it in Houston. 1-0 Dodgers. That game in the bottom of the second. Top three. Brewers at the Pirates. No score. The Rays are in Atlanta to take on the Braves. No score in the bottom of the second. Royals with a 2-0 lead against the Tigers in the bottom of the second. Also uh, bottom of the second. The Mets just got on the board. Mets, they lead the Red Sox 1-0. And... One other game in progress. Yankees get off to a one nothing lead against Baltimore. And the Rockies earlier defeat the Athletics by a score of 5-1 in Oakland, California. Glad that you're with us here for the baseball show right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So, you had a chance to talk to Pedro Gomez earlier. He covers Major League Baseball for ESPN. And I picked his brain on a number of things, including this whole thing with the Marlins. Again, we're having a baseball team that is not on the schedule for a week because of COVID-19. I asked him his reaction to the Marlins situation. 
Well, it's, it, I think it shows that if you're not careful and if you think you're invincible, anything can happen. Um, and it can spread so quickly. Even if it's one or two players initially, um, and we don't have all the details yet, but it absolutely can spread so quickly. We see it with church gatherings where all of a sudden, you know, a pastor says 40 people from yesterday's church gathering have all tested positive. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a surprise. You have to be so diligent in following the protocols. And I think this opened up a lot of eyes around the game that, okay, this is not a joke. Pedro, I was um, dismayed on Sunday into Monday where I felt that Don Mattingly was the commissioner of baseball for about a day where I just needed for needed leadership from Rob Manfred to be able to speak on this immediately through a Zoom call or anything else. I know he had to sit down with Verducci on um, Major League Baseball Network, but I just I, I'm wondering how you look at Manfred as as far as the leadership with this because it does change day to day, but coronavirus is still around Major League Baseball. What do you think the of the job Manfred's done so far? Well, there's certainly plenty of people that have questioned his leadership ability here on this. And, um, I, you know, they, they, they speak about how even what you said, maybe something needed to be said earlier, not just wait until I think it was 7 o'clock Eastern or so to be on an MLB uh, network interview. Um, it, it just, you, you need a point person. And even if you're saying, look, we're aware we're, we're, in, we're checking this out. We're doing everything we can for player safety. I, you know, in speaking to some people, they were amazed and bewildered at the fact that he, at one point, and I may be paraphrasing here, but he said, our testing is more than adequate. Hmm. Adequate is not necessarily a word that, that provides you with a lot of confidence. So I thought that was a very interesting choice of words. And, um, you know, I think all we can do is hope that maybe it's an isolated incident. But even if it is an isolated incident, it throws a lot of this, what they're doing, off kilter. And I would say this, Jonathan, if there's one more club wherever that that has an outbreak like this, I think the whole thing may come to its knees. Pedro Gomez. Major League Baseball reporter for ESPN joins me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So just um, without saying names, general managers or coaches, what are they saying overall about playing with COVID-19? I know it's different for everyone, but is there any issues or question marks that maybe some in front offices are having about this? Well, I could tell you that players even before, like two months ago and speaking to them, they were they one of their main concerns was, we're the ones assuming all of the risk. The owners, the front offices, aren't assuming the same risks that we are by being exposed to potentially everybody in the league, and then what? Um, you know, it's nice and cushy to be an owner or a front office person up in an office, but we're the ones out on the front line, so to speak. So um, they, there's still obvious concern because you know you get the older players who are who are married with kids, uh, their wives can be pregnant, things like that. They feel like they don't have a lot of wiggle room here. Um, you know, younger players who are single. You know, you're 23, 24 years old. You always feel like you're invincible. Like nothing is ever going to happen to me. And maybe you do contract it and nothing happens, but that doesn't mean you don't spread it to others. One of the big concerns players have is 
the potential to adversely affect a coaching staff member, a manager. You know, we have several managers that are in their 60s. We have one in his 70s in Dusty Baker. Um, it would be hor- horrific if something were to happen to one of these people. There's no question. Uh, and I'm glad that they're wearing masks and trying to be as safe as possible. But this is this is all tempting fate for me, Pedro, all of this. As much as, as you and I both love the game, it's just – you're just hoping that there is not another outbreak, but it just seems inevitable inevitable because of the amount of numbers and amount of deaths that we've seen with COVID-19. Well, and that's, that's the part that I think has a lot of players on edge that uh, it may not necessarily be them um, who's, who's going to face death, but let's face it. If one, even one player comes close, uh, that's, that's, that's going to stop everything right there. Um, but, but it's just, you know, you have umpires who are in their sixties. You, you, you have so many people who are on the field that are at a higher risk level, even players who have pre-existing conditions. Um, they, they, you know, Matthew Boyd with the Tigers, uh, Carlos Carrasco with the Indians, um, you know, they have pre-existing conditions yet they're out there. And these are issues that all of them are thinking about in the back of their mind And I don't know how much you can let yourself go when that's on your mind. So Joe Kelly suspended eight games for throwing at uh, and taunting the Astros. Pedro, we knew that there was going to be issues, especially with the Dodgers, uh, with the Astros, because of the cheating scandal. And now Joe Kelly from that that brouhaha, it wasn't really a fight, but just an argument yesterday. Joe Kelly now suspended eight games. What's your reaction to that? That's a wow, because that's the equivalent of a 23 or 24 game suspension under normal circumstances. And I don't know that we've ever seen anybody suspended that long for throwing at someone. Uh, usually it's a five or six game suspension. So to hear eight under these circumstances, I, I think that, uh, I think, look, my reaction is that the offices in New York are sending a message to anyone playing the Astros this year. This will be the penalty if you decide to go down this road against the Astros. So some of the thoughts there from Pedro Gomez, talked to him earlier on about some of the storylines around Major League Baseball, including COVID-19. And, of course, this big front-burner topic regarding Joe Kelly being suspended by Major League Baseball for eight games, that is a ton, as you are listening to the baseball show, uh, brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Let's go back to last night because Joe Kelly, even though he's going to play tonight because he's appealing uh, the suspension, Joe Kelly on the ball that he threw at Correa. It was a ball, obviously. Uh, wasn't my, my best pitch. Um, I mean, it was ball four and walked him and never good to put a guy on when you're leading the game. So uh, some that, you know, I wasn't feeling the greatest, wasn't the most comfortable. Um, it took me a while to hone in my mechanics. I mean, I, I threw my curveball. Um, I guess I didn't take too kind to it, a, a, a curveball. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. So Joe Kelly talking about it afterwards. And, again, you knew that the Dodgers or some team would come after the Astros because of the cheating. Dusty Baker, the manager for the Astros, Clearly not happy. Joe Kelly, by the way, not part of the mix in 2017, but is standing up for uh, the Dodgers team. Dusty Baker, also not part of that team uh, for the Astros 
uh, during that time of the cheating scandal. Dusty talked about balls being thrown at the Astros. You know, balls get away sometimes, you know, but not that many in the big leagues. And, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, when you throw a 3 0 fastball over a guy's head, I mean, now you're flirting with his, uh, you know, ending his career. Then a couple other guys, balls are close. Um, and then, you know, what really enraged everybody is when, you know, he told Carlos, I mean, he struck him out. And, uh, and he told him, nice swing, bitch, and see, what are, you, what are you supposed to do then? And then what upset me is that the umpires warned us, you know, why don't you warn him? You know, he's the one throwing a, throwing a ball, and, the, you know, he's the one that started this, this mess in the first place. So, um, no, I didn't, I, I didn't like it at all. Five for five next right here on the baseball show. Tonight's baseball show is brought to you by Whistle on 95th. Stop in and grab a couple of Goose Island White Sox Golden Ales tonight. The Whistle on 95th is a proud official White Sox bar and it's a great place to watch a White Sox game. Cubs, Sox, so, so much, more. much more. This is the baseball show on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. What a great pitcher's duel between Dan Plezak's nephew, young Plezak out there, and Giolito for the White Sox. No score. That game is in the bottom of the seventh inning. The Reds lead the Cubs 2-0. That game is at the top of the fifth of the Great American Ballpark. As you're listening to the baseball show brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Under the Hood comes your way at uh, 7.02 as we get a chance to uh, talk further about this Joe Kelly suspension. Also, a couple of very special guests. And also, we look back at the life of times of Lou Henson, longtime Illini basketball coach who passed away. We'll hear from Stephen Bardo on that and so much more starting at 7.02 right here on ESPN 1000. And, oh, by the way, so a lot of Bears talk in our summer of football segment as well. Well, we got five minutes left in the show, so it's now time for 545. Oh, yes, Tyler. Five for five. Five topics in five minutes. Big picture, right? Big picture topics tonight. Oh, yeah, because the fast start has never been more important than it is this year. So we are going to talk about some of the guys who are and aren't getting out to some fast starts here. So let's start in Chicago, where there's a couple of guys who have had some slow starts. Um, You look at guys like Chris Bryant, Yu Darvish, Edwin Encarnacion, Lucas Giolito starting to nix that a little bit. But of those four that I mentioned, who are you most worried for for the long term? Well, because it's 60 games, I uh, I will say I always knew that Darvish was inconsistent, so that's not a surprise to me. Encarnacion is gravy on an already pretty potent lineup for the Sox. Giolito is a big concern because that's your number one starter next to Keiko. And then there's there's Chris Bryant. So I'm going to, because Giolito looks, looks like he's turned the corner here, at least in this game, I'm going to say Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant looks like he's going to be the everyday leadoff hitter for the Cubs. So I'll say KB because without KB now you need to be able to have someone else to pick up the slack offensively. Uh, So I'll say Bryant. All right, next up, a number of teams that were thought to be playoff contenders all sit at one and four right now. Among them, the Reds, the Nationals, and the White Sox. Who do you feel best about turning it around? Nationals are missing players. 
the Reds, as you and I have already talked about this season, uh, before this season, there was going to be on the same trajectory as, as the White Sox as far as a young team that's developing with pitching. Um, I would say the, the White Sox would find a way to get it done. Uh, and they may have to slug their way through, Tyler. <laughs> it may not <laughs> yeah. be with starting pitching, but if they're winning eight to six, you'll take it because they got enough. Uh, uh, they got enough firepower in the in the offense in the lineup to do that. I think. Yeah, having Dallas Keuchel certainly helps. But I'm going to go with the Nationals because once they get Juan Soto back, hopefully sooner rather than later, then that's a team that can probably turn things around. All right, among the six one-loss teams with at least four games played so far, which team is the one-week wonder? Is it the Padres, the Rockies, the Cubs, the Indians, the Twins, or the Rays? I like the Rays. I think the Rays are going to make the playoffs. Too. Love that team. Twins can can mash. That's a baseball term. They can mash. <laughs> um, and we saw that in the Sox series, so you know they're good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Rockies to make the playoffs. Padres... I saw two of their games to open up the uh, the season. This might be a little premature for the Padres because I thought that maybe 2021-2022 would be their time. What if I told you that maybe the Padres is kind of uh, maybe a one-week wonder? Yeah, I, I kind of like that answer. I think going into when I wrote these questions, I was going to say the Rockies, but they did it again today against uh, the A's. So who knows? Maybe there's something good in Colorado right now. All right, Justin Verlander was put on the IL, and there was even some speculation he may be done for the year. He has since said that is not the case. However, with him about to miss about 20% of the season, are the Astros still the favorites in the AL West? See, they weren't my favorite, though, Tyler, because I always thought, look at the Angels. Who wouldn't want Otani? Ignore the first weekend, okay? Who wouldn't want Otani on their team, right? Right. Uh, uh, Who wouldn't want Trout? Rendon, I watched that game yesterday. As a matter of fact, uh, Anthony Rendon with the home run. Oh yeah, that thing Up- got out in a hurry. Upton, Pujols, what's what's wrong with that team? That 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 was my favorite coming in. I thought the Astros would be a, take a little bit of a step back. My favorite to this for me is the uh, the Angels. I'm surprised you're not going with Oakland here because I think Oakland's always been that trendy pick these last couple of years in terms of the AL West and who can unseat the Astros. But yeah, both. Both of those teams certainly have a chance now in this 60-game season. All right, a lot of talk about how baseball could steal the show and be the only one in town. But with the NBA coming back tomorrow, the NHL this weekend in terms of their regular season play, did the MLB do enough in this one week to capture the moment and sustain viewership for the next three to four months? No. <laughs> you know, But you know why? Look at our, our storylines on this show the past what, a couple of weeks. As much as I want to talk about the games, the, any any of the respondent, you know, the the um, correspondence that we're getting from listeners, either through Twitter or phone calls, is about COVID nineteen. Their fear that the sport might be shut down. NBA fans don't feel that way. I watched I watched Edmonton Calgary NHL yesterday. They're in a bubble. They seem fine. The bubble fans seem like they're good with their sport. With baseball, there's this trepidation. Like, oh, I know this is cool now, but will this continue? Yeah, that's fair. I mean. You do feel the best about the NBA and NHL finishing out their season, so that's certainly a fair, fair analysis. And that, my friends, is five for five right here on ESPN One Thousand, the ESPN Chicago app. And by the way, Tyler, I mean with the with the A's, I mean once they do get to a certain threshold, aren't they going to just trade all their players? 
Is that yeah, what they well, do? are they going to fire sale in the, the 60 games? I mean, <laughs> hey, it's anyone's ball game now. So. <laughs> right. Is but no, I think, do? yeah, it's the frustrating thing with those small market teams, the A's, the Rays, the Marlins. I mean, we see it time and time again, and it, it sucks for those fans. What, what if you were an, an A's fan and you've won 97 games in the past two seasons, back-to-back seasons, right? Mm-hmm. You've won 97 games in each of the past two seasons. Uh, and you're a small market club, and you think, okay, we got Matt Chapman, he's going to get an extension, and Marcus Simeon, and is it Blake Trinan? Right. Mm-hmm. What, what, what if you have all these players, right? And yet, it's like, well, I think we're going to get to the World Series because we got a nice young core, and the t- team's like, nope, we're going to unplug this. That yeah. sucks. I mean, you, you even look at the Marlins when they had Giancarlo Stanton, Miguel Cabrera, Dontrell Willis, and then boom, I mean, they start to reach their peak and they're gone in the blink of an eye. It, it, I, I would hate to be a fan of any of those teams. Oh, my God. Like, you're, you're investing time in your, and then once you get good, nah, you know what? We need assets. We're and it's not just that, too. I mean, think about Stanton. He was given the biggest contract in baseball history at the time. And you're a small market team and you're like, okay, this isn't the Marlins' way. And then boom, they flip him over to the Yankees. It's amazing. Oh, well, we got to go. That is the baseball show brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company. We'll talk more baseball on Under the Hood in two minutes. Our producer is Tyler Akee. We'll be here tomorrow after Waddle and Sylvia at 6 right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. You've been listening to the baseball show with Jonathan Hood. If you miss something, you can always get the podcast on your time. Click the baseball show tile on the new ESPN Chicago app. Join us weeknights at 6 for the baseball show presented by the Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000.